and welcome to the latest installment of the Multiversity Manga Club. As a bit of a recap of the previous episode, uh, starting this month we are switching to a new approach to how we release the episodes. Um, it'll now be twice a month instead of just a monthly podcast, with our first podcast of the month being a look back at the previous month in Shonen Jump, and the second release about midway through the week being about our book club pick. So, middle of the month, that means it's time for our first book club pick under this new system. And what I picked last time was Blam, a manga by Tsutomu Nihei. It has, I believe, a adaptation on Netflix right now, an anime adaptation. Um, oh, is it actually on Netflix? Yeah, I believe it. Uh, I believe so. This guy, this mangaka also made Knights of Sidonia. And Which I, know... I would not have begun to guess. All right, is that a joke? Oh, well, I mean, they're both kind of like sci-fi. They're sci-fi, but I mean, in this, like, very, they seem, I, it's, okay, to be fair, I don't know much about Knights of Sidonia, but it doesn't, it doesn't seem as it, brutal as this is. I, I don't know much about it either, but. Yeah, me, me either. I've never watched it. It is interesting that the, so the Blam anime is actually, I think it's a movie. Okay. Not, so, oh, that, okay, I yeah. think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Blam a term that gets thrown around a lot and often a little bit incorrectly is cyberpunk, but I think we can say Bland definitely fits the bill. Of I just say straight up, I would just go to straight up sci-fi, but I mean, I guess cyberpunk is a offshoot related to it. It, it has like a lot of like Matrix, right? Oh, yeah. Vibe. So if you if you slot Matrix into cyberpunk, I I guess this would fall in line as well. See, the thing that makes me think of cyberpunk in the vein of like William Gibson or uh, uh-huh. folks of that writers of that nature. The thing that makes me think of that is like this concept of like the all encompassing city, which as far as we've seen so far in Blam, you know, that that's one of the big hallmarks of the genre. That's this idea of just city built upon city up, down, all around, you know, just like the idea that it's almost like, you know, Cities the size of countries, perhaps even encompassing the entire world. I think I read something about the actual size. It's actually just called the city or the megastructure. Right. And it's actually, I think it actually reaches into technically into like what would be space. Okay. Like the, maybe the size of Jupiter or something like that. I was just reading some, I don't know if this is a spoiler for the rest of the series. I mean, right. I probably won't finish the series, but yeah, I was just reading more about the actual structure itself and it extends farther than anyone could possibly traverse, I think, because the, I think the conceit is that the city just kept building and building on itself. The uh, construction got out of control beyond human control. And um, it just continued to extend into space to the point where it's, it's just impossible to tell how big it is. Where it starts, where it ends. Yeah. And so it's kind of an interesting reversal of nature taking up. You see a lot of stories about, nature retaking a place of mm-hmm. vines and trees growing over old buildings. But this is kind of like the the logical endpoint, I guess, of the sci-fi version of that. Just, right. The, the yeah. idea of sprawl. Um, yeah. And that's what um, Gibson's novels, the term that they, that uh, Gibson uses in those, if, if I remember correctly, the sprawl, uh, referring to just, yeah, these cityscapes that have grown beyond all reason so in that sense i think like i said i think it's a 
term that's often misused, but I think that this has that like very core premise of the genre that maybe we don't have like other things that you prevalent that are prevalent in that kind of a subgenre of like you know corporations or anything yeah like that but i think that it fits so about blam itself i suppose that it's good that this is the kind of setting that nihei wants to have it set in because Nihei's really good at drawing these massive cityscapes. Yeah. Yeah, easily the best part of the manga so far, I think. The world is really cool. Yeah. Just looking at it. Yeah. Um, there's just a lot of... I mean, you kind of see this with Yusuke Murata. You see very, very detailed buildings and stuff in his all the time. But just looking at almost every single page in this, it like boggles the mind. Thinking about how long it must have taken to draw. Uh, in the backgrounds, especially if there's just a huge, there are just sometimes just rooms with just piping and stuff that goes back and back. Right. And the walls are just kind of indiscriminate slabs of metal and but that have all these weird, you know, just cyberpunk accoutrements over them, things like that. But it all seems to make a kind of sense. Like nothing really looked, I mean, I guess this kind of sound kind of dumb because this isn't real, but nothing looked to me like it didn't, like it wasn't supposed to be there, I guess. It, it, it looked at everything had sort of a some kind of sense of logic to right. the like a logic to yeah, the surroundings. Yeah. yeah, it didn't just look like he just put stuff there. If that makes sense. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I I, I could you know just read you know quote unquote a art book of just yeah. like <laughs> that, well that's kind of what this was. <laughs> yeah, there are like the dialogue is very sparse through the majority of it and you will go just pages with no dialogue which i honestly loved i actually kind of started to i i i got more down on the book in the in the sections that were more dialogue heavy i think yeah so well there has to be something um (laughs) well but i when it gets like more like exposition heavy i guess i should say like i mean there is something cool to be said about just silent storytelling. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. So um, a bit on that story, it is still, you know, we are, we read two volumes, the uh, Multiversity Manga Club standard of two or three. In this case, we went two because these are bigger volumes, uh, extra large size ones. And those are two of six of that size so we're a third of the way through yeah but it's still fairly yeah it's only i think only just kind of towards the end of the second um deluxe volume where we're starting to get like a feeling of direction yeah there's a pretty big reveal at the end of the second volume yeah the the first volume and kind of just feels like our main character uh kiri um or killy it just, it's, in some ways, it's almost Western-like. Yeah. This feeling of just kind of like... The stranger comes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and we just kind of get these, like, some of these scenes, some of these chapters, there's not really any connection. It's just, Kiri shows up in one place, does something, gets in some fight, and leaves, and then in another, the same sort of thing happens. You know, in in some ways, that kind of that really adds to the feeling of the vastness of this world. Cause yeah. it's like, you know, we don't see a direct, like goes from a to B to C. 
Um, yeah, he just kind of... We go from one place to another, but we don't really know what was in between. Yeah. Are, are these directly connected? It, it almost but... looked a lot of the time like they were walking up, like, you know, in malls, the different levels of malls. It looked like yeah. there were maybe, probably not elevator, well, maybe elevators, so steps of some kind, and then it went up that way. And then sometimes it just seemed like there was nothing at all, no struts or anything. Yeah. And they yeah. may have had, might have had to grapple and stuff. You see people climb ladders, and yeah, it's... The uh, the first volume really conveys the environment really well, but the vastness of it, and also like the loneliness of it. So a lot of the time, you just see Kiri, and maybe uh, unless he's fighting some people, just kind of it's, walking uh, through this vast structure. Yeah, I felt like this opening was very disorienting because you you open up with with Kiri and this other unnamed character. And I, I feel like opening in that way, you you get the impression that these are two these are two important characters who have a purpose, but then that that other character that is with him just bites it in that first yeah. chapter, yeah. you know, and and is not explained like who that was, what their purpose was, what yeah. what is even happening, and then it just keeps moving on and you keep getting those you know variations on that same situation where he will meet someone and and they usually meet a pretty miserable yeah, end. I was about to, I was <laughs> yeah. to say and like and like pretty much everybody else who dies so far that first person dies but very non-ceremoniously. We have weirdly enough we have kind of returned to the state of nature. <laughs> even though uh it I mean this there is like no nature anymore. It's just man-made construction. Right. <laughs> and yeah. There's really no, like, well, there's something called the authority, I think is what it's called. So, yeah, I this is something I kind of wanted to get into um, because it's just, like, really funny that, so are are either of you guys reading, like, the Hickman X-Books? <laughs> oh, right yeah, now? we're both reading we it. We are, so. <laughs> okay, so it's, like, funny that, you know, that's dealing with, like, all of that hierarchical technology, like, uh, societal structures and then in this you have kind of like a similar thing where you have like the builders and the safeguards and the authority yeah and there might be even like another sect in there that i'm like not thinking about and and it's just like these varying levels of like machine intelligences or machine races and yeah it's just like it's just, it was just like very funny to me that i was reading this at the same time that all of that was coming yeah. out yeah this is much bleaker <laughs> oh for sure 1000 yeah this is yeah even though not a feel-good story new house of x powers of x i mean the whole series is not really like a happy story but at least not yet but yeah no this whole thing is just bleak 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 yeah i guess the, if one of the main kind of to to use you know a tv trope style word um yeah. and, you know the MacGuffin of the series is like you know it's they're looking for a certain genome if i'm not mistaken. they're looking for somebody that has something called the net terminal the gene, net terminal which is gene. something um, that lets you i guess interface safely with the structure with the net sphere which is which is what controls the entire megastructure that they're in and i guess right. in just the sprawling growth that happened or whatever happened that caused this thing to get out of control basically 
they kind of lost the ability to find people with this gene. And so it's just, it's just this growing unchecked and like not even right. the, even so the authority is interesting. The authority is kind of seen as kind of a benevolent, uh, at least that's the sense I got. If not benevolent, then kind of neutral because they're also looking for somebody that can, that can interface and take control because I really like this, this conceit that even the, I guess, supposedly the nominal ruling figures of this, if you can call it, of this thing can't even really rein it in anymore. It's gone completely. I wouldn't even say haywire. It's just out of their hands completely. I mean, to put it mildly. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I mentioned, we mentioned earlier, we talking about the overall design of the setting pieces. How well did you, how did you guys feel about Nihei's overall character design work? It was kind of weird looking, but I didn't hate it. I kind of liked the, I think they were called the Silicon people. Yeah. They had white faces mm-hmm. and they kind of had like a um, a neck that kind of looked robotic. Well, they're clearly, I mean, this whole world seems like it's full of cyborgs and right. human-like maybe robots and, and also real humans. I don't think humans have gone extinct or anything. I mean, clearly not. Uh, I, yeah. Um, but yeah. There's just, a- but it also seems like there are like different groups of humans yeah. too, because you you like meet that like race of giants or yeah. or or actually maybe like Kiri is just really small. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know why yeah. you're supposed to like I, take that. I on the one hand, I thought the I think I like the kind of sparseness of the dialogue more than I disliked it overall. I I didn't think it was a bad thing necessarily, but there were times where I I could have used. A, a little bit more maybe uh just to get a grip on some of the differences between the the groups that were attacking kiri because i was like wait is this the same are these the same types of people that he was fighting before it got a little uh overwhelming but i mean i think as weird as it sounds i don't think it really hindered my enjoyment of reading it that much because the whole thing it kind of felt like you were supposed to be lost in this kind of chaotic mess of pipes and passageways and metal so yeah it was very disturbing and, and unsettling. <laughs> yeah, like a it, lot of body horror type things. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, like System Shock-esque. Very, yeah, and very a, much. Yeah. And I think it's really easy to make that stuff really boring. And I think the kind of withholding of so much information made this more compelling. Yeah. Because never was that. I mean, could you imagine this, but like dense as hell with that, with text? It would have been like a, really bad. So I'll get back to that, you know, one, on the matter of character design. Oh, yeah, um, sorry, go ahead. That, something, you know, that I found very interesting is the way that Nihei draws faces, or at least in this, because it, it was one of the things that I was surprised when, like, I saw the ad for Knights of Sidonia in the back. I don't know if it's just that Nihei's style over the years has changed or if maybe the, it was a more purposeful design choice. It's... They're very, I don't know what the word I'd use for, kind of open faces. There's a lot, if you're not factoring in like, you know, hair hanging over or anything like that, the heads of the various characters tend to have like a lot of blank space on them. Hmm. Mm -hmm. And on the one hand, like, it feels like, you know, a, a... pejorative that some people use when talking about comic artists they don't like you know is the idea of same face and you know at first i was kind of getting that 
I, I thought that was the problem here. But when you really look at it, no, that's not the case. Everybody looks quite different for the most part. Yeah. It's just such a, I, I can't put my finger on it, you know, without, you know, I, I myself am not, you know, an artist. Um, I don't think any of the three of us are. I mean, no, it, it, it feels like, and I, man, I don't, I don't want to like discredit it again. Like, I feel like that's kind of what we're dancing around because it's not bad, but it feels almost like, you, you know, when you are just drawing, when you are just drawing a face, right. you know, you draw, yeah. you draw the face shape, you draw the eyes, the nose and the mouth. And there's not a lot of depth right. when you're looking like on, like straight on the face. Right. I, th- I think what, I think part of it is the, so a common thing in comics and particularly in manga um, is the contrast of very detailed backgrounds and very detailed inanimate objects against very stylized characters, very stylized figures. But I think Nye almost like takes it to the full degree that like, you know, certainly everything that like everybody's wearing in Blam is just pretty much as detailed as the environment around them. Yeah. And so it's almost like it's taking it to the extent of everything about the character is extremely detailed except for the face, mm-hmm. which is an inch. And I, it, it's obviously, you know, he can draw that level of detail. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe, yeah, he's, yeah. maybe he's just not interested in making faces that yeah. distinct. Or, or there's the idea that um, I know it's, it's been a while since I've read Scott McCloud's um, understanding comics, but he talks about, part of the idea of, you know, having less fic- less like hyper-realistic figures is that you can therefore convey more expression. Um, so perhaps that might be it too. I don't know. It's yeah. very interesting and it's, yeah, it has a sort of uncanny effect. Like, yeah, it looked, I, it sounds bad. It looks weird. I like it. It looks weird. The faces look weird. You think? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, they, I said, the actual faces look kind of strange and they're not appealing. They're not ugly per se. No. They're just not very appealing faces, which that's fine. Like I said, it's weird and it it didn't delight my eyes to look at the faces <laughs> or anything, but it seemed intentional with the amount of detail put into the backgrounds and such as you said. Yeah. It, and the outfits. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's clearly not just that Nihe was lazy. <laughs> Yeah, so lazy drawing a million lines in when drawing some like computer superstructure. Gonna catch a quick break on this one face. <sighs> I can't imagine. I mean, I'm, I I assume he has a lot of assistance and stuff, but still, right? My God. But so cycling back to something that you were talking about earlier, Emily, a very weird comparison that I thought of, or more a contrast that I thought of when I finished reading. Uh, the selection of this that we chose to read was in some ways, I felt this was the opposite of our complaints of, oh crap, I'm forgetting the name, not the, the land of the lustrous, land of the lustrous, that's the word. I I was like, no, that's not Steven Universe. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I I almost said the righteous gemstones, which... (laughs) That just has gemstones oh, in it. Oh, that's so funny. We're gonna have a, Are we're you gonna watching have a, that? 
No, I mean it's funny that you that you made that connection. I I wanted to watch it. I haven't oh, checked it out yet. It's great. Really but, weird combination. Like Jesse Gemstone became a character in the in um, Land of the Lustrous. Really weird. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, so anyway, it's really good. <laughs> get, getting back, you know, one of our problems with, or at least one of mine, and I think we all a- agreed to varying extents. Uh, one of the issues that I had with Land of the Lustrous was it had this really unique artistic style but it felt like it was letting all this explanation get in the way yeah. of like it, there, there was a lot of explaining of the setting going on in land of the lustrous mm-hmm. yeah and it, i felt I, it brought it down a bit and so i felt this even though they're extremely tonally different oh, a <laughs> not, bit not no, just like in how they no, look but uh, land of the lustrous had its darkness it was sure, dark it was a different but it, i mean it was not as bleak Right. This has like no humor in it whatsoever. No. So I felt that this was similar in that, it, and it kind of had a quality to it that I had previously wished Land of the Lustrous had. This idea of just kind of, you know, don't let this story get too much in the way. You know, this is mainly meant to be a visual spectacle. I don't. Yeah. I don't think that was an offensive thing to say. I don't think I'm like not a comic. Yeah, I don't think I'm like doing any disservice, or I hope I'm not doing any disservice to Nini by saying that this is first and foremost meant to look really cool. impressive. Yeah, it does look really cool. <laughs> so I don't know if that comparison sounds apt to you guys or not. That was just something that came to mind for me. I get it. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I see. I, I can track that line of thought. Yeah. Yeah. Again, very totally different. Just a bit. <laughs> but another much more surface level and much sillier comparison uh, that oh. I couldn't help but think of was oh, no. how <laughs> Kiri's, um, what was it called? The gravitational beam, beam. emitter. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. What did you think it was? Just made me think of the noisy cricket from Men in Black. Uh. <laughs> oh, man. I didn't like... even like make that connection. Um, <laughs> it made me think of something, but now I can't. I can't it's, think of what it is. It's like his special weapon. It's the only thing that can that can shoot through the. I think they're called. I forget what they're called actually, but they're these kind of the safeguards. Not the safeguards. The safeguards are the things that come out and are like the protectors, I guess, of the megastructure. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're programs, I think. But they there are these like plates that they that are between, oh, I guess, yeah. different levels of the megastructure. Yeah, yeah. And Kiri's gun is the only thing that can shoot through them though apparently other people other characters have this weapon it's just not a common thing for just well regular do we want to like do we want to get into like why he maybe has that right he's like a safeguard yeah he's an old program or something yeah the the reveal towards the end of volume two of the deluxe edition is that he is himself a safeguard one of these some kind they said he's from before right yeah like a proto safeguard he's the he's the prototypes classic and the prototype for some reason in these stories is always so powerful (laughs) but there's like something about it this is the thing that it was just too good we couldn't make it that good it was like it's 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 one of those things where like it's it's super powerful but it can't control its power so it short circuits and shit Right. I mean that's that's the kind of thing they always do with these prototype things, but they didn't actually say prototype to to give credit to Nihei. <laughs> sure, just come out and say that. But yeah, yeah, and and it goes back to the uh, the strong sense of character design. It's I guess it's you know this is just again thinking of how 
it looks cool. Whenever I see in like any kind of sci-fi, someone with like a small gun that then like just shoots this like massive blast. Yeah. That's cool. It's cool. It's always cool. There's just... It's an idea that like I feel Blam probably started off as just like Nihei drawing... um, Backgrounds or something. Drawing backgrounds. Kiri, I feel like may have started with like a sketch of somebody just shooting a, a giant blast out of a small gun because it's Wouldn't a very it be cool it's if, a very striking image. Yeah, it could travel a uh, long yeah. way and it like kind of it's first it, it seemed to hit something, nothing happens for a second and then there's a huge explosion. Classic. It's always classic. Yeah. Um I think like one of the best sequences uh, in what we read uh, in, is in volume 2 starting at about page 356 and then going through pages well, I guess it would be um, like the following five or six pages or so culminating in like a big splash page that is also oh. like one of those like great open area pages. But it's just like the beam traveling across this huge expanse and hitting a, hitting a wall. It's like it's kind of like an encapsulation of everything that makes this series cool visually, I think. I, yeah, I think we should also mention this came out in the late 90s. Yeah, late nineties into the early two thousands. So there's something about it. It doesn't look that old though. It doesn't look like it's really. It doesn't necessarily look like a nineties manga. I mean, it doesn't have like the trademark that you might think you might see, like you know, a shonen or something oh, like that, sure. and say like, oh, that's probably from the nineties. This honestly, I thought this was from like the mid two thousands. I, not that that's that far off, but it just kind of has its own aesthetic. I mean, yeah, like we said, its own style, but like yeah, the just the attention to detail. And his kind of unique, I don't know if I'd say like unique character designs, but idiosyncratic. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's kind of hard to place him in a time, I would say. I would say. Like, I wouldn't say this definitely looks like something that was made in 2002. Right. Like, yeah. Sure, sure. And and yeah, what, what was the actual date? I know you said it. It was, uh, I think it, I think it was from 96, 96, 96 to 2002, I think. Okay. Okay. So you know, I I made the um the Matrix comparison earlier, but this predates that. Yeah, and, technically. And and you know, I know like on the comic side of things, um, Invisibles is always kind of pegged as the um forerunner, the, like of... the forerunner of the Matrix. But do this you, feels think... thematically and like concept wise very influential do you think the wachowskis read it i wonder i could i wonder i really do they've certainly read a lot of yeah manga and comics i mean yeah they they admitted that they had read the invisibles for one yeah i'm I'm pretty sure i think Uh, did they ever talk about metropolis about uh i don't that's the song i think yeah but i I wonder since i think its main dna its main similarities with the Matrix are visual. There's some like oh uh, yeah, there's similarities. Not... So I well, but like the like the net genetic or the net what crap? What's it called? <laughs> the the net terminal gene. The net terminal gene. I mean that that whole concept seemed like very. It it seemed like the ability to go into this digital landscape. Yeah. And so like this, this is like if if the matrix was all about the outside the matrix stuff see i wonder if rather than the wachowskis having read it if instead perhaps jeff darrow or steve uh shit i forget i forget how you pronounce his last name Uh, scotchy that's not right is it i'm not sure 
but perhaps they read it and thus got, well, I mean, not, I know I don't mean that in like a, like, you know, oh, you know, copycat kind of way. No, no, but slice. just like definitely an inspiration. Yeah. yeah. I guess what, oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, it's kind of no wonder this was never really made into a show. There's no way even, I was going to say, unless it looks as bad as current Berserk, which God, it's just, it just seems like way too detailed to get consistently animated well. In like, well, so like I'm actually pretty episode. sure that I think the new film is actually like CG, part CG, like the nice. like the um, yeah. Isn't isn't Berserk also kind of like pseudo CG? Berserk is like the worst example of CG you could possibly look at. Okay. Um, I know that Knights of Sidonia is mostly CG, and I I don't think it. I think it looks okay. I, I haven't heard anybody. I think people say that like of things that are mostly CG, it looks all right. Huh. It's just hard to, I don't know why we're not at this point yet. I mean, besides, I guess, like Pixar and stuff, but just like things that are like kind of 2D looking, translating into a sort of CG environment, it just almost never looks great. Sure. Yeah. Sure. There is a, a prequel to this that I didn't know about. Mm. Yeah, I was reading about that on the wiki. Which there are a few spinoffs. Are you speaking of Blam Academy? Oh, no, there's I'm, a I'm, school. There is that. There, is, I saw that. No, no, I was talking about noise. Okay. No, I. That sounds funny, that? actually. Um, yeah. Or sorry, the Blam Academy sounds kind of funny. I'm yeah. sure. Yeah. Anytime you have like an Academy spinoff, it's it's very good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so. Oh, and there's a sequel too, actually. Yeah. Noise. I wonder why the weird spelling. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. Just a it stylistic is, thing. You know, it, it is spelled um, for those who are just listening and do not have their, cannot easily reference their player of choice, B L A M E, blame, as we would say. Um, yeah. But it is pronounced blam. I wonder if it's like has something to do with like the Japanese because it like transliterates it to Baramu. Could be Possibly. of the extra sound there. Yeah. 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 I don't know. But uh, overall, I'd say I liked it. I, I And, you know, visually astonishing. Um, yeah. Incredible. Story-wise, like, I it's don't... It's not, like, the most compelling thing in the world. No. It's good. And I don't know if, like, I necessarily want to keep reading it just for the very, very, very good art. Yeah. I'm not sure. You might feel one day... Exactly. You want to go back I, to Blam. I feel like it, it, it's one of those. Things, and you can I pick think. it up because it's not extremely dense as far as yeah, exactly. characters and plot. There's like three characters that are named right now. <laughs> uh, there's more than that, but yeah. How about you, Zach? I I'm actually more tempted to go check out this uh, five issue Wolverine miniseries that he did. Really? Wolverine snicked. Oh, that's right. I forgot that was him. Snicked. Yeah. Five issues. I completely forgot about Whoa, that. Wolverine looks cool. <laughs> I just pulled it up <laughs> on my computer. Yeah, I I knew about this series. I I think I knew and forgot it was <laughs> Nihei. Yeah, the the very short lived tsunami imprint, um, as Wolver That's... as uh, as Wolverine describes it, as Wikipedia describes it. He looks like there's. I'm trying to think what that was. It written by a. Uh, it was illustrated by Nihei. Was it perhaps written by Marvel's 
uh, Akira, Akira Yoshida. Yoshida. <laughs> no, Is this the no. guy who pretended to be Japanese, like yeah. super racist? Yeah, and... yeah no, Nihei did write and illustrate it, which is very A cool. normal day in New York City, Wolverine is on a walk through Central Park. It's a sound starting out really good. When a girl named Fusa tells him that her people are being massacred. Okay, <laughs> cool. And then hey. he's teleported to the year 2058. This is like the opposite of last night we watched Batman Ninja. Oh, we could talk oh, really briefly about how weird... Weird Batman Fucking Ninja was. Fucking weirdest thing I've ever seen. Like, not the weirdest thing I've okay, ever maybe seen, not the but thing I've ever seen. probably like the weirdest in proportion to what I was expecting. I thought this, well, I don't know. There's a lot to say about it. and Weird in a way that only corporate media can be weird. Yeah. In like being weirder than you would expect it to be, which yeah. makes no sense. Well, I just want to say real quick that there are, there are giant robots in it. Um, DC I, that, characters. I was not expecting that in the slightest. DC characters operate giant robots. There's really cool redesigns of some of the characters, like Penguin and the Joker looks... I'm sorry, but the Joker actually looks pretty good in it. And... And is voiced by Tony Hale. Voiced by Tony Hale, Buster Bluth. Very... Uh, actually, he actually has pretty, a... He, he clearly had a blast with it. He loved it, yeah. And, well, the thing is, also the animation's, like, really weird. It It's all CG, it looks like, but it seems like it's drawn as well like the actual character models are drawn but they're kind of animated like in a cg they kind of look like ps3 cutscenes. kind of looks like borderlands-y borderlands type. yeah uh, kind of okay. a cell not really cell shaded but kind of like that kind of sketchy like pencil-y shading some some uh in some areas yeah or like an arcsist game yeah i would say it either i was telling walter last night it either looks really good sometimes and sometimes it just looks pretty bad but um, it's interesting. It's very interesting. <laughs> yeah, I know that's on like the DC Universe app. I need to watch it. But um, also, uh, Wolverine Snicked is on the Marvel Unlimited app, and oh, I'm yeah. like flipping through the first issue right now, and it is literally just Wolverine in Blam, <laughs> like 100. percent The characters oh, look exactly the same. Like they are the same, like robotic. Fantastic. Characters. That's awesome. I think I think Wolverine should be. And you know what? The adamantine claws might be able to get through the uh... get through the wall. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, um, I'm really excited to read this now. Actually, <laughs> so uh, is that our new? Is that our next uh, pick, Zach? <laughs> yeah, that's our next pick. No, 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 no. Should I go ahead and announce our next pick? Absolutely, yeah. go for it. Okay, so our next pick um, is going to be a very popular current running series in Weekly Shonen Jump that we have been sleeping on a little bit. Demon Slayer Kimetsu no Yaiba, written by Koyaharo Gotoge. Gotoge. <laughs> and I think he illustrates it as well. I believe written so. Written and illustrated written by, by yeah. yes. And uh, yeah, so we're going to cover the first um, you know, two or, or three volumes or so of that. Um, I'm not sure if this is one of, I guess since this is a weekly series, it's, it's probably more the typical, you know, seven to eight chapters per volume. Yeah, probably. So we'll, we'll read through the first 20 odd chapters of that probably. Um, and hopefully that will kind of give us some context to maybe start reading the current chapters as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, This is another series that I, um, was kind of my interest was piqued a little bit by seeing some of the uh, anime adaptation, which yeah. is very visually stylish. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I actually have seen some shots, too. It looks pretty good for a shonen TV adaptation. series. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. All it's, right. Uh, yeah. Well, great. So 
that'll be it for us uh, this week. We'll be back in two or three weeks to talk about the month of September in Shonen Jump. As Zach mentioned, about a month from now, we'll be talking about Demon Slayer. And yeah, maybe after that, we'll be talking about Demon Slayer on a monthly basis. Yeah. Um, Until then, you can find us on Twitter, even though I neglected to mention that last time. That's okay. I've forgotten sometimes too. (laughs) I'm at goodbye to a shoe. I am at Cosmos, of course. And I am at Wilker Fox, um, although I have been uh, deficient on my Twitter upkeep. Uh, but you know what? Uh, my mental state is really great. So. Yeah, that's it's, good. It's probably for the best. Probably, probably for the best. best. Um, it's broken my mind. <laughs> we'll catch you all in a couple of weeks. Bye. See you